give our mind team a big hand one more time. Wasn't that good? Yeah, boy. It's powerful stuff. We're beginning a brand new series today called Facebook. How many of you are on Facebook? This is going to be a wonderful sermon series. <clears throat> uh, there should be like a Facebook called Facebook for Christians. And wouldn't that be cool? And then we could invite our friends who don't know Christ to just, you know, come in and listen to us talk about the goodness of Jesus. That's an idea right there. Y'all get on that, Mike. Get on that. All right. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 is probably the verse that shines from the Scriptures um, as it talks about the Scriptures. You know, the Bible talks about itself. And we're going to look at a lot of Scripture verses. You have a place in your worship program to take notes. If you're a note taker, you're going to need a, a fast pen today because I'm going to give you a lot of sermon or a lot of uh, Scripture references. And you're going to want to jot these down as we go through this sermon series. Hebrews 4 and 12. Let's look at the Amplified Version, guys. Just go right to the next one and let's just look at that one, uh, your very next slide there. Uh, Hebrews 4 and 12, it says, For the word that God speaks, for the word that God speaks, whether that word is in your heart or whether it is on the printed page of the Bible. How many of you understand that when God says something to you in your prayer time, that it will never contradict the written word? It always flows with and agrees with the written word, if it is God. So when God speaks, it is alive. The Bible is like no other book. The Bible is living. It is a living organism. You can go to the Bible and study a passage and think you squeezed all the juice out of that. And you can go back to it a month later or six months later or a year later and it is fresh all over again. Because the Word of God is living. It is alive and full of power. And when you look those words up in the original language, it means that the Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible makes the Bible active in your life. The Holy Spirit that wrote the Bible will make it active. It will make it operative. It will energize. The Word of God energizes it makes the Word of God effective. It makes you effective. So the writer of the book, the Holy Spirit is the writer of the Bible, He also abides in you as a believer. If you have received Christ into your heart as your personal Savior, then the same person who wrote the Bible lives in you. And that is why the Bible tells us that the carnal mind or the unspiritual mind or the mind that has not been redeemed or, or, or the mind that has not been made right with God cannot understand the things of the Spirit. So when you read the Bible as a believer, the writer of the Bible is in you. The teacher is in you. Jesus said in John 16 that the Holy Spirit has come to teach us. So it makes the Word of God active, operative, energizing you, making you effective as a Christian. Listen to this. It is sharper. The Word of God, the Bible, is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the very soul, and the immortal spirit. 
The Bible says of itself, listen to this, that the Word of God goes into the very joints and marrow. And what that means is that the Word of God is able to reach into the deepest parts of our nature. Our nature needs to be addressed by the Scriptures. When Adam and Eve messed it up in the Garden of Eden, your nature then was not one of godliness, but you now have uh, a sin nature in you when you are born. And so we need the Word of God to address that sin nature that is uh, in all of us when we are born. Now look what the Bible does. <clears throat> Exposing. <laughs> How many of you have ever been listening to a song that had the Word of God in it or a sermon? Or maybe you just got a CD of a sermon going in your car or whatever, and the Word of God, not the preacher, but the Word of God that's coming out of that message exposes something in your life. I've had that happen to me many times. It exposes, it sifts. The Word of God is like a sifter. You know those guys who go out to Arizona and they're looking for that gold and they dip that pan down in the stream and they get up all this dirt and stuff and sand and they just shake it and shake it and they run the water through it and all the impurities wash out and, and what they want is for what is of real value to come up. That's what the Word of God does for you. That's why you need to be in the Word of God. That's why we challenge you all the time. That's why we gave you at the first of this year those Bible reading plans. It wasn't just something for you to do. It exposes things in your life that needs to be gotten out. It sifts your life so that only the good things can come through and, and it does away with those bad things that shouldn't be there. It analyzes. It judges your very thoughts. Ouch. You know, if it judged just what I did in front of the crowd, I'd be in pretty good shape, but it judges my thoughts and my motives. Look at that up there in that verse, right at the end. Our purposes, why we do the things we do. See, you can do a good thing for the wrong reason. You can feed the poor to get attention. So God doesn't only look at what you do, He looks at the why. And the Word of God helps you to do the right things for the right reason. There are many names for this book we call the Bible. It's called the Holy Bible. It's called the Holy Scriptures. It's called the Revelation of God. It's called the Law of God, the Precepts of God. But God's favorite name for the Bible is simply this. The Word of God. The Word of God. Mark 7.13, and you can just jot down these references. I'm not going to put them up on the screen, just jot them down. Mark 7.13, Jesus tells us that we have to break the law of God, break the Word of God to protect our human traditions. In Luke 5 and 1, the Bible talks about the crowd coming to Jesus to hear Him speak the Word of God. In Acts 4.29, it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable Your servants, that's us, that we might speak Your Word with boldness. Acts 12, 24, that the Word of God continued to increase and spread. No other book has had enemies like the Word of God, yet it continues to, to increase and spread. Romans 10 and 12 says that before you trust, you have to listen. But unless the Word is being spoken, there's nothing to listen to. In Ephesians 6, 14 through 17, the Bible concludes that passage by telling us that God's Word is an indispensable weapon. An indispensable weapon. I hope you got that. 
People come up to me all the time and they're just, you know, in shambles because they've been fighting a battle and they seem to be losing it. One of my questions would be to you, how much are you in the Word of God? It is an indispensable weapon. We talked the other week about praise being a weapon. When you are battling the enemy, you begin to praise and worship God. You don't uh, Praise and worship isn't based on what's going on around you. You just praise and worship God. That's what the mime was about. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to put my faith in you no matter what it looks, it looks like. I don't know if you caught all the words, but it talked about having more bills than money. Anybody living in that world? You trust Him through it. You trust Him. You praise Him. The Word of God is the same way. You don't just read the Bible when you're in the mood. As a matter of fact, you probably need to, need to read the Bible when you're down more than you need to read it when you're up. But you need to read the Bible at all times because it is, it is an indispensable weapon. Colossians 1.25 says that God has given me the responsibility of serving His church. Well, how am I to serve it? It goes on in that verse to say, by proclaiming His Word. Now, when you got here this morning, you heard the Word of God proclaimed in music. You've heard the Word of God proclaimed through a video clip. You've heard the Word of God proclaimed in a mime. And now you're hearing the Word of God proclaimed through preaching. There are many, many, many ways to proclaim the Word of God. We will proclaim it through the cross and the crown, through drama and music, but God has called us. It is, the, it is the mission of the church that we are proclaimers of His holy Word. 1 Peter 1.23, he says, For you've been born again. He said, Your new life, the second birth, did not come from your earthly parents because the life they gave you will end in death. Isn't that right? But this new life, This new life that you have because of your second birth, Jesus told Nicodemus, there is a second birth, the the new birth being born again. This new life will last forever. It will never end because the Bible says it comes from the eternal living Word of God. 2 Peter 3 and 5. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the Word of His command. The Word of God, powerful. Revelation 20 and 4, John the Revelator, you remember, don't you? They poked his eyes from his head and put him on the Isle of Patmos to isolate him, to get him away from everyone as punishment. But God took what was meant for evil and made it for good. See, when you get alone, God can show you some stuff. And even though his eyes had been poked from his head, he said in Revelation 20 and 4, and I saw (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Sometimes you can see better when you got your eyes closed. You ever notice that? And I saw, and I saw thrones. And they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those, and this speaks of the tribulation period. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for their standing by and not backing away from the Word of God. The Word of God. So whether these words came from the mouth of the Apostle that I just read to you, or whether they came from the mouth of Jesus Himself, or some Old Testament prophet, and whether they were written on parchment or a scroll, God has something. He calls these utterances that I've just read in this place this morning, He calls them the Word of God. The Word of God. You say, Pastor... Big deal. 
Why are you making such a big deal about this? The Word of God. Okay, we got it. It's called the Word of God. Why is that such a big deal? Why are you making such a big deal about making sure it's called the Word of God and us understanding that God's favorite name for the Bible is the Word of God? Let me tell you why. Because the more liberal our society gets, the more liberal a man gets in his theology, the less he likes to call the Bible the Word of God. He likes to come up with other names for it. If you study the history of theology, you will find this to be true. If you want to spot a liberal and his perspective of the Bible, you'll hear him refer to the Bible as uh, the biblical record. Or you'll hear him call the Bible the biblical materials. Or the record of God's revelation. Here's what I believe. I believe that when you refer to the Bible as anything less than the Word of God, it blurs the issue. And I believe it takes it one half step away from what God wants us to know that it is. Get it straight. Get it settled in your mind. Make it big in your mind. Make it plain. The Bible is the Word of God. Now when you say the Word of God as it does in Hebrews 4 and 12, then there's some things you are saying about the Word of God when you call it that. Number one, you are speaking of its absolute perfection. Its absolute perfection. You may be thinking, hey, pastor, come on now, time out. If a man wrote it, there may be some errors in there, but I submit right back to you that the God of truth cannot speak error. He cannot speak error. Let's read 2 Timothy 3.16. Y'all with me out there? Say amen. If you're not, fake it. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture. How much? Now when the Bible says all, what it really means is all. All Scripture is inspired by God. How much of Scripture is inspired by God? And is useful... And I didn't put the rest of this up there because I wanted you to get this first part. But it goes on to say, and it's useful to teach us what is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Ain't that the truth? I love what the New Living Translation says. It says, it straightens us out. Anybody ever been straightened out by the Bible? And teaches us to do what is right. That means that when it says that the Bible's inspired, it means it's God-breathed. God breathed on men. He breathed on men. There are several incidences in the Bible when it talks about God breathing on us. He breathed on these men, and the Word of God was given to these men, and it cannot be. God, when God inspires, He doesn't inspire any error. He, he doesn't inspire error. He cannot inspire error. But again, Pastor Farrell, men wrote this. I understand that. But the fact that men wrote the Bible does not make it any less the absolute perfect Word of God. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. Listen to this now. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophets themselves. That's just evidence that it's God. It's all God. 
No prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophets themselves or because they wanted to prophesy. They were not seeking this. God called them to it. Look what it says in that very last sentence. It was the Holy Spirit who moved the prophets to speak from God. So the word moved... They were moved. What does that mean? Well, I got to looking into that word, and it means this. It means pushed along like a ship on the sea would be pushed along when the wind gets in its sails. So what I would say to you this morning is that these writers of the Bible had their spiritual sails up. That's what's wrong with a lot of us. We don't have our spiritual sails up, so when the wind comes blowing, the wind of the Holy Spirit comes blowing, we don't catch anything. And while other people are being blessed and touched around us, we wonder what's going on. That's because they had their sails up. Can I ask you something this morning? You got your sails up? Are you alert? Are you ready? Are you open to God working and moving and speaking in your life? They had their spiritual sails up, and even though God used human instrumentality, God's Holy Spirit kept these men from writing anything that was error. The Bible was written by human instruments, yes. But every word, every point, use the King James ver Version, every jot and every tittle of the Word of God was given by God through the Holy Spirit. Again, the more liberal a person's view of Scripture is, the more he will tell you that the Bible was inspired in its thoughts, in its concepts, but not really in its details. Are y'all hearing me? This is how they subtly try to water down the Word of God. Y'all listening out there? The more liberal a man gets, the more he does not believe in what is called verbal inspiration. I want to tell you what my position is, and I want to tell you what the position of this church is. We believe in the verbal inspiration of the Scriptures. The word verba is a Latin word, and it means word. But if you look deeper into that meaning, it means word by word. Word by word inspiration. I'm telling you that my position is that every word of the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. You say, mm, I don't know about that. Well, let's look at what Jesus said. I'll let you argue with Jesus. In Matthew 4 and 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by how many words? <clears throat> he said it. Every word that proceeds from where? Every word. Every word. Proverbs 30 and 5 says, Every word of God is pure. Every word of God. People say, well, my belief is still, I think the thoughts of the Bible are inspired, but the, the concepts, the ideas in the Bible are inspired. But this word-by-word word thing, I'm not sure about that. But you know, you can't have thoughts without words any easier than you can have mathematics without numbers. So when you speak of the Bible as being the Word of God, you speak of its absolute perfection. You say, that sounds a little old-fashioned to me. You got it, dude. I am old school when it comes to my Bible. I'm old school. The Bible is true. The Bible is God's Word. Let's look at another thing about the Bible as we close. 
And uh, we'll just tell our visitors, what does that mean when I say in closing? Nothing at all. Okay. So the Word of God, when you call the Bible, listen to me now, when you call the Bible the Word of God, you speak of its absolute perfection. When you call the Bible the Word of God, you also speak of its wonderful character. You ever notice this? You ever notice in the Bible, in the Scriptures, that God has the same name for the Bible that He has for Jesus? God gives the Bible and Jesus the same name. I mean, the Bible is called the Word of God, and, and Jesus is called the Word of God. See, a lot of us, we got Jesus up here, and we think what he says is really important, but we got the Bible kind of down here. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that, the, that Jesus and the Bible are the same. You don't worship the Bible. Let me put it this way. Millie um, would write me some love letters back in the day. <laughs> now she buys a card to say it for her, and I appreciate it. Because I know when I get a card, I'm going to have a good night. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. <clears throat> I'm a preacher. I'm not dead. <clears throat> but back in the day, you know, when I wasn't so confident in, my lo- in her love for me, you know, I was a an insecure young guy. And I, I didn't, sometimes I knew she loved me by the way she acted and, and sometimes I didn't know, you know, she'd maybe act a little different. I didn't know if she really loved me. And, you know, that's how it is with God. Sometimes God's just breathing on the back of your neck all day long, and you have no problem that day, but the next day feels like he's a million miles away. You know what I'm talking about? So what I would do is I'd go back and get those love letters out. And sometimes she would spray cologne on them. So I would stick my head in the box. <laughs> Wind song stays on my mind. And that Channel 5 ain't bad either. I thought, they have got a great TV channel plus some awesome perfume. These people do it all well. And I would stick my head in that box and... Because it smelled like her. And then I would open those letters and begin to read them in my my concerns, my doubts, my worries about her love for me went away as I read those letters. See, I'm not saying that Jesus and the Bible are equal. But when I've got my fears and when I've got my doubts and when I don't feel Jesus, I just get out what he said. I just read what he said. And I go, he, he loves me. <laughs> he still loves me. I don't feel him today. And I, I, I don't feel like angels are playing tic-tac-toe on my backbone today. You know, sometimes you just feel angel wings and stuff. And, uh, you know, on those days when we feel real spiritual, we speak in the King James Version. You know, good morning, you know. But some, most, I got to tell you, most of my Christian life, I don't have that feeling. I love it when I do, but I got to admit to y'all, most of the time, this walk is by faith. But, but it's not faith in nothing, it's faith in something. And that's why he gave you that love letter. So you can get that love letter out and read it. The Bible says in John 1, 1 through 3, John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, but it isn't talking about the Bible, because in the beginning we didn't have the Bible, did we? 
Who did we have in the beginning? Jesus. And it's a capital W, so it's talking about a person. It's not talking about a, a thing. It's talking about a person. In the beginning was Jesus, the Word, and Jesus, the Word, was with God. And I love this last part. And Jesus, the Word, was God. Jesus is not just a prophet or just a good man. He is God. God. Jesus is God. He was in the beginning with God. You guys do know He didn't just show up in Bethlehem. He is the great I am and the great I'm going to be, but He also is the great I was. He says in verse 3, All things were made through Him. Jesus is the Creator. It also says that in Hebrews. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Then you go to Revelation 19, 13, and it just says this about Jesus. His name is called the Word of God. Talking about Jesus. I want you to listen carefully. What this tells us is that the character of the Bible and the character of Jesus are inseparably linked. If one of them is fallible, that means has error in it or sin in it. If one of them, Jesus or the Bible, is fallible, then they're both fallible. If one of them is a fraud, they are both a fraud. But my Bible says that the same name is used for the Word of the Lord and the Lord of the Word. Jesus, who is the living Word, honored the Bible. Didn't he? I mean, he was always quoting Scripture. He was always quoting Scripture from the Old Testament. He honored the Bible, and he told us that the Bible, the, the precepts and the laws are not to be violated. So he honored the Bible. Then when I read the Bible talking about how it feels about Jesus, the Bible makes Jesus its main hero, its number one hero. So they're not identical, but they are inseparable. Look at these examples. Both the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible, listen, come from God. They both come from God. 2 Peter 1.21, For no prophecy ever originated because some man willed it, but men spoke from God, from God, who were born along, remember the sales? Who were born along by the Holy Spirit. So where do we get the Bible? Where do we get the written word? Some of you have it in your hands this morning. Where do we get that? We get it from God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, is it the work of the Holy Spirit or is it the work of God? The answer is yes. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three Ways that he reveals himself. You say, time out. That sounds like three gods to me. Well, let me ask you, how many of you are there? One. No. Three. You have a body. I have a lot more body than I used to have, but I have a body. I have a mind or a soul where I make decisions, where I feel emotions, and I have a spirit which is the seed of God. See, I am one person, but there are three parts. We serve one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So 
Where did we get the Bible? From the Holy Spirit. Where did we get Jesus? Where did Jesus come from? Well, in Galatians 4 and 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. So the Bible tells us that we got the Bible from God and we got Jesus from God the Father, made of a woman, made under the law. Let me give you another one. Both the Bible and Jesus will go on for eternity. It says in 1 Peter 1.25, But the word of the Lord endures forever. Jesus said of himself in Revelation 1.18, I am he that lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive. How long? Forevermore. Forevermore. So the Bible's going to always be here, and Jesus is going to always be here. Now look, you can base your life on whatever you want to base it on. You can base your life on a false religion. You, you can say, I've got my own thoughts about the Bible. It doesn't change the truth. People can go, you know, I did a series on hell a few months ago, and people come to me all the time, and they go, well, I've got my own ideas about hell. You know what? You can have your own ideas about anything you want to, but it doesn't change the truth. And so here we have, here we have Jesus, here we have the Bible. They're going to be for eternity. Well, I, I got news for y'all. I'm planning on living for eternity too. So I think what I'll do is base my life on two things that I know are going to always be around. Jesus and the Word of God. And the people said, well, That's a good place for amen right there. If y'all don't figure them out, I'll help you. Listen to this Jesus and the Bible are both unchanging, unchanging. Matthew 5.18 says, I assure you, until heaven and earth disappear, even the smallest detail of God's law will remain. And then the Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Both of them are light in the darkness. How many of you ever feel like you're just kind of groping around in the darkness? Well, you need two flashlights. You need Jesus in one hand and the Word of God in the other hand. Because the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, Your Word, O God, your Bible, your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. In John 8 and 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and the man that follows me will never walk in darkness. Never. Both of them have a human element. And then I'm done. The written Word of God was written by men. The Lord Jesus was given to us by Mary. But the fact that Mary gave birth to Jesus doesn't make Jesus imperfect. And the fact that men wrote the Bible doesn't make the Bible imperfect. Because the same Holy Spirit that protected the Lord Jesus from sin is the same Holy Spirit that inspired the men who wrote the Bible and kept them from writing anything that was error. So when you call the Bible the Word of God, you speak of its absolute perfection. And you speak of its wonderful character. <clears throat> I've always been a preacher, as long as I can remember. I'm 53 years old, and at the age of 17, I was in an altar praying. God filled me with His Holy Spirit and called me to be a preacher when I was 17. You young people out there, listen to me. Well, I didn't know anything about the Bible. My dad was a pastor. I'd grown up in church, but 
I didn't really know that much about the Bible. All I knew about the Bible was Moses had a coat of many colors. So I took a Bible, and I don't recommend this. Now, now listen, you all hear me? I do not recommend this method of Bible study. But I was young and ignorant, and uh, I just didn't know any other way to get some assurance that I was called to be a preacher. I just didn't know another way. I heard about this little boy. He was 15, 16 years old. He was, he was back in the day, and he was plowing behind a mule, and it was 105 degrees, and sun beating down, the humidity was 100%. And he just thought, i got to get out of this. And an airplane flew over and wrote GP up in the sky with the smoke. He threw the plow down and ran in the house and said, Daddy, I've got to leave right now. God has written in the sky, go preach. He said, Son, you need to go back out there. That means go plow. Goes right on back out there. <laughs> Better be careful looking for signs. <laughs> Heard about a guy one time who was going to commit suicide, and he said, I'm going to give God one more chance. Threw his Bible open, put his finger down. It said, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. <laughs> so I'm telling you, I do not recommend the method of Bible study I'm about to share with you. But when I was 17, I didn't know what else to do. So I went on the back row, the back pew of the church. And I had a Bible, and I said, God, I've got to know before I tell Mom, before I tell Dad. My dad was away speaking in a revival meeting in Gastonia. I said, I've got to know that I know that I know. And I opened my Bible, and ladies and gentlemen, the very first thing my eyes saw, and I am not lying, I'm standing here before God today, was Luke 4.18, and it says, For God has anointed me to preach the gospel. And I knew. I knew. And so I began to tell, and my life changed. My track for life changed. You need the Word of God in your life. Now, I try to preach the best I can. I study. My wife will tell you that this afternoon, she'll look over there and go, what are you doing? I'm working on next weekend's sermon this afternoon. I try to be the best preacher I can be. And we, we have teachers in this church, and I hear how they teach. And Wednesday night we have teaching, and I hear about our Impact Girls Club leaders teaching, and our Royal Ranger men teaching, and Pastor Jared teaching and preaching. I hear how good it is, but I'm telling you, nothing is a substitute for your time in the Word of God. And as we come into these last days, when things are so scary and so unpredictable, I urge you, I cry, I can't make you, but I urge you with as much fervency as I know, get in your Bible. Because when all has been shaken and everything that can fall, falls, the Word of God will stand. Get in your Bible. Get in your Bible. Get in your Bible. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Thank You, God, that I don't have to stand up here week after week and tell these people my philosophy of life. 
Oh, my goodness. Thank you that I have your word. I will go home today and I will open your word even today, God, to see what you would say through me to these people next weekend. Help us have a passion for your word. We talked about it in our worship songs this morning. Help me to want you. Help me to want you, oh God. This world offers so many things that look so satisfying. This world offers so many things that look so pleasurable. And every time I've chased after them, I find an empty well. Help me to want you. Help me to want you. Help me to want your word in my life. In Jesus' name. Now listen to me. Listen. We're going to have people up here to pray with you this morning. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you say, well, I'm a good person. I work hard and pay my bills. I'm a good dad. I'm a... That's great. I give money to your church, dude. I, I put some money in your church this morning. Thank you so much. But see, I love you enough to tell you that isn't going to get you to heaven. You need Jesus in your heart. You need to experience that second birth I talked about this morning. I want you to come and let us pray with you. Let us lead you to Christ today in this service. If you're a guest, if you're a visitor, we're so glad you're here today. We have a gift for you before you leave right back there at the Guest Welcome Center. Just walk back there and say, I'm a first-time visitor. And they will give you a gift and have some material about our church in there. And we just love you guys. Thank you for coming to church today. It's good to be back in church, isn't it? God bless you. I love you.